All right. Well, let's really quick just to get caught up where we're going. Today we're going to talk about charity begins at home. How many have ever heard that phrase before? Well, it's Thanksgiving Sunday. This is principle number eight. Charity begins at home. And it just happens to fit very well with Thanksgiving. So let's look at the, uh, the, point, the principles we've done so far. Principle one was transcendence. Everybody say transcendence. First things first. Number two is freedom. The marriage of choice and what? Responsibility. Number three was service-based power. We gain authority by lifting people up, right? Number four was all the laws of the harvest. Number five was results-based reality. A tree, the Bible said a tree is known by its fruit. So when you don't have fruit, then there's something wrong, right? We're supposed to have fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and fruit that would remain, amen? Number uh Number six, division of labor. There is no I in teamwork. This is where every person in the body has a role to fill. And we do best when everybody is doing something with their gifts and with their abilities. Amen? And so that's, that's number six. Number seven is the principle of separation of powers. To whom much is given, much shall be required. So we recognize that at God has given counterbalances in everything in the kingdom, right? So that those who are at a place of leadership are become the most accountable of all. And if it's not that way, then you have situations where you have dictatorships and all kinds of stuff like that. By virtue of uh, the office that a person holds, that when we have much more responsibility, we have much more accountability. Amen? So we talk about that. Now, today we talk about charity begins at home. Charity begins at home. Father, I just ask today that you would help me as we look at your word. I've got 15 minutes to get through this. That is the first miracle we need today. (laughs) Father, we come to you asking for your supernatural intervention as we go down this road together. Father, we pray that as we celebrate in communion around the table together at the end of the service, that, Father, we will be mindful of all that you have done and all that you are continuing to do in our midst as our great Savior and Deliverer. Amen. Now this text we're going to look at this morning that is our, our passage for today, our main passage. It, it, this passage that you've heard many times before picks up right in the story in the upper room where Jesus has just said, you know, the, that someone's going to betray him. And the disciples want to know, who is it? And, you know, surely it's not I. Surely it's not I. And then Jesus says, well, the one that I you know, dip the bread into and give it, dip the bread and then give it to, that is the one. And then he, he does this, hands it to Judas, as you know in the story, and then says, what you do, do quickly. And then Judas leaves and walks out into the night. And the disciples, strangely enough, don't realize what's happened. The Bible even says some of them thought he was going out to get food for the feast because it was Passover weekend. Others thought maybe he was going out to give some money and distribute it to the poor because he was the purse guy. He was the bookkeeper. And, uh, and so anyway, he leaves, and this is where the story picks up. Judas knows what it meant, and this is where our story picks up this morning. So let's look at the scripture in uh, John chapter 13, verse 31. It says, so when he, Judas, had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. 
Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, so now, in the meantime, until you're able to come, I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, everybody say, by this. Will all know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. This passage is the backdrop for today's kingdom principle, charity begins at home. It's an old English proverb, and uh, an old proverb, it's also an old problem. It was, uh, the phrase originally comes from a guy named Sir Thomas Brown, 1642. And interestingly enough, though, the, the phrase charity becomes at home is only part of a much larger quote. The actual quote says, charity begins at home is the voice of the world, yet is every man his greatest enemy. That's how many had ever heard the whole quote before? One person. I had not. I admit that I had not heard it before. Uh, Lloyd's the only one that had heard it before. Good for you, Lloyd. <laughs> that is the whole quote. Someone said, can you put it back up on the screen again there, please, Gord? And then we can put it back up there. Charity begins at home is the voice of the world, yet is every man his greatest enemy. In other words, Brown was noting that globally the call is for every man to take care of his own family. But the responsibility of doing so is one which confronts the sinful nature of every man. That, that calling is an enemy to, to the sinful nature of every person. That we all find it hard to do and to do consistently and to do well. And it wars against the selfishness that is in our own hearts. Hence why when we as the children of God have love for one another, when we love the world as Christ has loved us, and when we love one another as Christ has loved us in our text this morning, then the Bible says, will all men, will all people know that you are his disciples when you love one another, when you love one another. The bad news is loving one another is difficult. Some of you are going, oh, no, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> Admit it. It's not easy to love one another. It's not easy. And all you have to do is just look around the world and see all of the different types of global conflicts. Just count how many church splits you know of, and you'll know that it's not easy to love one another. It's not easy. But the good news is, because it's not easy, because it's difficult, when you do it, the world notices. When you love one another... The world notices. We have a unique situation in our city <clears throat> in that our ministerial, Bible Christian ministries, actually love one another. We're not in competition. We actually help one another, support one another. We have had a long string of things that we've done together, uh, the latest of which, after the Will Graham, was we launched uh, uh, Grace Inn, and we had that running. And we, or actually we had Grace Inn open before that, but then uh, you know, then COVID hit and support and strength through the whole thing. And then next fall, we're starting uh, a new ministry that you'll hear more about on November 6th when the whole city gets together at Maranatha, all the churches, and we have an amazing night that night on November the 6th. Uh, you're going to hear about the new uh, newest thing that we are doing together as churches in the city called NeighborLink. 
And we're excited about it, what God is going to do through that ministry and that opportunity. But it takes us loving one another to be able to accomplish that. And I believe that as the world sees us loving one another, they're attracted to that. And that's what Jesus was telling us in this passage. You know, I spent some time researching that phrase, I should say, charity begins at home. And I discovered a few things. Uh, I discovered that not everybody likes it. Shockingly enough, uh, I found the definition of it. Someone felt they needed to define it. It says, you should take care of your family and other people who live close to you before helping people who are living further away in another country. Okay? Uh, you know, most people believe that the phrase is from the Bible. It's not. Charity Begins at Home, as we already discovered, was written by you know, Thomas More, not by Jesus or one of the disciples or anybody else. The reality is it's not, it is not a phrase out of the Bible, but there are a couple verses that probably people use to support it. First one, uh, they're both from 1 Timothy 5, but the first one, verse 4 says, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should first learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. Interesting, eh? And then it says in verse 8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Hmm. Put their religion into practice by taking care of widows. So no, who's the widow in this situation? He's talking about somebody whose husband has died, and... And he calls upon the body of Christ to first recognize that that widow, if the widow has children, it's the children's responsibility to take care of mom. So that means, you know, if we fall into financial hard times that you guys have to take care of us. So, um, you know, live long enough to have your kids have to take care of you. That's my goal in life right there. And Ryan's like, yeah. But, uh, you know, that... That's got to be the goal. Widowed or widower, I don't think the Bible's going to discriminate here. Either way, you know, although I can almost guarantee, you know, that my wife will outlive me. But um, the reality is, whose responsibility is it? It starts with our family. We put our religion into practice when we take care of our own. Wow. Shocking, right? And I think that's the beginning of it. Certainly, charity begins at home. It means, first of all, take care of your own. I love Thanksgiving but it, uh, because it hasn't been co-opted by all of the commercialism that Christmas and even Easter and all the rest of it has. Thanksgiving is still Thanksgiving. It's still about food and family and gratitude for everything that we have. Even people who don't thank God and don't put God in the equation still recognize that Thanksgiving is about having a heart of gratitude. They still get that. And so I love the holiday for that reason. And uh, it's a reminder for us, as Christians, though, of this truth in this passage, that charity, love, begins with our family. Amen? But Jesus said in our passage this morning that you'll know, you're, they will know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. So I think where charity begins at home also applies to this home, to the church family, that we are to love one another and then we're to love one another. We're to love our family, and we're to love one another here. They will know that we're his because we have a supernatural, wild, crazy, abundant 
love one for another. An intimate, close love for one another, like a family. And that is why one of the incredible, most powerful metaphors describing the church is that of the family of God. Yes, we're the army of God, we're the bride of Christ, we're all of these different things, but we're also the family of God. We're sons, we're daughters, we're brothers and sisters. As believers, we share a bond through our common heavenly Father that unites us as one in a family. Paul declares emphatically in a great Thanksgiving verse, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with what? Gratitude in your hearts with gratitude in your hearts. You're to be thankful, worshiping God with a grateful heart. When you come into church on Sunday, you're to have a heart of gratitude. We're not strangers here, we're body. In fact, I've met people when I'm on the, you know, the mission field, when I've traveled around the world and I meet people that I've never met before and instantly we have a bond because we have a common father. Even though we don't even speak the same language, even though we have all kinds of cultural and different things between us, we instantly love one another because we have a common father. We're in the same family. We're part of the family of God. Amen? I mean, if you want to talk to somebody who's experienced it, just talk to John. He's traveled. He's one of the few guys in the church to travel a lot more than I have. And, uh, and he's been all over the world. And he can tell you, he meets brothers and sisters in every part of the world and they're family. They're instantly family. One of the greatest things I love is that when I meet people and I meet them through a connection like John, then they're my family because they're John's family. You see how that works? And then instantly I'm grafted in, I'm taken in just because we have the same lineage, the same father. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. We're not strangers. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter uh, uh, 2, verse 19, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God. Fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. But this whole love each other thing in the church, like a family, is hard. How many know it's hard? Be honest with me. Come on, it's hard. Not everyone's like you. Not everyone likes you. (laughs) Amazing how you just take one word out of there. It changes the whole meaning of the sentence, doesn't it? People say difficult things. People say mean things, right? People have different opinions than you do. Hello? You know, you've been offended. You've probably offended others. I offend people every week when I'm up here. I know because they tell me. (laughs) You may have been overlooked. You may have been bypassed. You may have feel like you've been completely dissed. You may have been taken advantage of. That happens in the, in the body of Christ. Some people just are like big sponges and they can't get enough and they just keep taking more and more and more. That's the nature of a family. Amen? You get all of that in a family. But when we love despite those things, when we love despite the fact that those things happen, We use the phrase, Barry uses it all the time. When we love beyond knowledge, what does that mean? When we love beyond what we know 
about that person or the circumstances or the wounds that they have inflicted upon us or other people. When we love beyond that knowledge, when we go beyond it and we love beyond knowledge, then will the whole world know that you're my disciples. Wow. So when you're hurt, offended, frustrated, or tempted to lash out, to back out, to get revenge, tuck tail and run, or any of those things, remember the words of Paul. Let me put these up on the screen for you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, 27. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, what? Isn't it interesting? It says, in your anger, sin not. We take that verse out of the Bible all the time, but we never really put it in context of the body. He said, well, he just says the words right before it, we're all members of one body. Then he says, in your anger, do not sin. Hmm. What might be making us angry in this passage? Might it be the family of God? So he says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Where? In the family of God. I see, and I'm not wrong to use this passage in marriages and in counseling, but in context, it's talking about the offenses you pick up. And you've all picked them up. And Paul says, don't do it. Don't do it. Yes, it made you angry, but in your anger, don't sin by picking up an, off- picking up an offense. And don't let the sun go down while you're still holding that offense. Wow. Wow. Because if you do, what are you doing? You're giving the devil a foothold. What's a foothold mean? You know when you go to swing the door shut and someone puts their foot and bang, and hits your foot instead, and then you go, I'm here. Right? Don't give the devil that. Don't give it to him. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, I want to give you another quote. This is, uh, this is from a guy who made a little addition to that verse, or that phrase. He said, charity begins at home, but it should not stay there. Philip Brooks is an American Episcopal pastor of Trinity Church in Boston. He was the one who wrote the, the Christmas carol, Little Town of Bethlehem. But he said, charity begins at home, but it should not stay there. And that's where I want to end up this morning. One of the things I've discovered as I, like I said, mentioned earlier, as I searched the internet, there's a lot of people didn't like the phrase, charity begin, begin, uh, starts at home or begins at home, because it gets, it gets co-opted for people who want to abdicate themselves of global responsibility, right? So they say, well, you know, yes, I realize there's a problem over there, but charity begins at home, though we should be focusing on the problems here. I even had a pastor once uh, who said to me, I don't understand why you do all that traveling and your church gives all that money to missions. Just look at the need around here. I was like, really? But that's what he said to me. I was like, okay, I'll talk about that in a minute, but You know, there's a lot of people don't like the phrase because of that, but I think they've missed this aspect that Philip Brooks just said. It begins at home, but it doesn't end there. And it was never meant to be an abdication of responsibility. It's not about, you know, trying to pick or choose. It's it's, no, no, no. How many? No, it's not this or that. It's this and that. One writer said it well, said, if you'll ever have a priority 
when it comes to charity. Make sure that the first ones on your list are those who need it most, not who love you most. Ooh. Wow. So in other words, maybe sometimes you should just, you don't need to be giving to your family because there's somebody who needs it more. Our tendency is to want to just do it all for those that we love the most. But what about those who at this point need the most and God brought them to you? Wow. Your family should serve as a starting point and not the end point for your charity, for your love. Charity begins at home, but it shouldn't end there. Do not use this proverb as an excuse not to extend your helping hand to the world. Too often people say it and then it ends there. Here's the problem with that interpretation of the phrase that people often use to just ignore world problems and put their affections here. And most people use it when they're coming against governments for spending on foreign policy and stuff like that. Here's the problem with that. First of all, it's a a false dichotomy. In other words, the assumption seems to be that if I care about global poor, then it means I don't care about Canada's poor. We as a church do both. We support global missions. We also support, and we're very instrumental in helping start Grace Inn and the homeless here in our own city. We don't see it as a zero-sum game. We realize that we have a calling to both. I don't think you have to make a choice. I think you can give to both. There's a need here at home, in truth, but the need doesn't change the fact that there is great need elsewhere. In fact, Jesus said we're supposed to spread his gospel of good news and of love in Jerusalem, Belleville, Judea, Ontario, Samaria, Canada, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, the rest of the world, right? We're responsible to operate in all four of those. So it's, there's a false dichotomy there. There isn't one. It's not this or that, it's this and that. And secondly, it's a false equivalence. I don't want to get bogged down on ranking needs, but when I spoke to that pastor who said to me, you know, why are you giving to the, you know, all this world mission stuff when there's so much need at home? Let me just do a little bit of math for you. The current Canadian pension plan, the minimum that a single person will get on CPP is $727 a month. and go up to $1,200 something, but the minimum is $727. On top of that, they have free health care. We have free education uh, in the elementary schools, et cetera. All right. On the other hand, 1.3 billion people in developing countries live in less than $7 a week. 1.3 billion live in less than $7 a week. 768 million people don't even have safe drinking water. A billion have no access to sanitation. In 2022, Canada, that's governments, both federal, provincial, Municipal spent $190.6 billion on welfare and social security. 190.6. We spent $8.4 billion on foreign aid. So when, when people, you know, try to use this statement as a, an excuse to not give to foreign aid, I like to remind them that we spent 22.7 times as much on helping ourselves as we did on helping others. Ouch. Ouch. I think it's clear that you don't want to get into that comparison game. 
And as believers, we don't want to get into it either. We want to do everything we can to support and help people no matter where the need comes from. Amen? We have a local and a global responsibility. Let me conclude this morning with this. Mark, you can have the kids come in now at this time. One of the greatest ways that you can fulfill that old adage, charity begins at home, is by teaching it at home. The Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when he or she is old, they will not depart from it. Train a child in the way they should go. One of the greatest ways that you can express charity beginning at home is to begin by teaching your children how to love at home, how not to be selfish, how to have a, a, a worldview that is bigger than their own bedroom and their own toy room. Hello? Hmm. I've heard of families that once the kids get to a certain amount of toys and every time they get a new toy, they get them to give an old one away. <laughs> well, that's a terrible idea, Pastor. Make them scared to get anything new. I don't think so. But I think it makes them think about other people. You know, teaching your kids to give to missions and other things, even from their first feeble bits of money that they earn, whether it's helping clean the house or whatever, is an incredible gift to your child. Take your kids with you on the mission field when you go. I'll make sure they're safe. It's okay. I will, taken them before. Not without the mom and dad, but I've taken them before. I'll make sure they're safe. I'm not taking care of your kids while we're on the mission field, but I'll take you and help you expose your children to life in other parts of the world. The point that I'm getting at this morning is this. There's no better place than your own home where character is molded and kids learn that charity is something that we need to possess in our life. Gratitude, thankfulness, love, these are all elements of a charitable heart. Amen? Because remember this, when our kids are old, they will have inherited lots of things from us, but the most important is the kingdom principles that they'll inherit from us. The values, the character, the, the things that we sow into them that are many ways intangible, those are the things that will mean the most and that will shape our child's life the most. As we love our children, our church family, and the world, we teach our kids to do the same. Amen? That's where, how charity begins at home. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. It's communion time. Praise the Lord. Could I just have the musicians come back to the platform at this time? Praise God. <clears throat> yep, 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 yep. <clears throat> Can I have the uh, elders and their spouses come up to the front as well? Eldership, come up here. (laughs) 
They're so quiet, those things, aren't they? Ding. Um, we, uh, one of the things that we're, we're kind of getting back to doing a bit here is that during COVID, we kind of had to be a little more cautious, I think, of how we distributed the emblems. And so we're going to, we, what we do is we like to have everybody come up and receive the emblems this morning and, uh, and then take them back to your seat. All right. Take them back to your seat and, uh, and wait and we all participate together. Um, to be more COVID friendly, we have the, uh, unified cup and uh, wafer here. So you'll notice that there's the wafer sitting on top. So make sure you don't, you peel off the one first before the other uh, and you avoid as many accidents as possible. And so we're going to just, I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna ask and come, invite you to come forward, receive the elements today. Father, we just thank you that charity does begin at home. It begins in our home. It begins with our children begins with our spouse. It begins with our family, but it doesn't end there. It goes out to our church family. And then the world looks and they see and they know that we're Jesus' disciples because we have love one for another. But then we're also reminded this morning that charity, it begins there, but it doesn't end there. That we reach out from our home and from our church family to the world. And when we do, people's lives are touched. So, Father, today as we share around the communion table, Lord, we're reminded of the responsibility that you've given us to love. And that people will know that we're your disciples because of that love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just let us stand together. And if you would like, just begin to come on forward. You don't have to go in any particular order. Just come out and grab one of the emblems and then return to your seats. There's, you can come down either aisle.
chapter 11 and I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation this morning he said I have handed down to you what came to me direct by direct revelation from the Lord himself that the same night in which he was handed over he took bread and he gave thanks then he distributed it to the disciples and he said take and eat it is my body which is given to you do this to remember me he did the same with a cup of wine after supper, and he said, the cup seals the new covenant with my blood. Drink it, and whenever you drink this, do it to remember me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling, retelling the story, proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. If you have the emblem of his broken body this morning, Father, I just thank you today for sending your son who came and he offered his life. He offered his body for us. He hung upon the cross and Lord, his body was given up, sacrificed the lamb of God so that we could be made whole. We thank you, Lord, for a body that was given up willingly as an act of love. And we receive today that gracious gift of love as we partake in the symbol of his body today. Amen. Let's partake together this morning. he'd come up and thank the Lord for his blood that was shed for us this morning. Thank you, Father, for your precious blood. Thank you, Jesus, for paying a price that we could never pay. Thank you for going first mm -hmm. and making a way that we could have a personal relationship with the Father for eternity. There's no way we could ever pay you back, but we accept the gift of life through you, Jesus. We accept this new uh, covenant with you, a new promise, a new relationship. Thank you for doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. We accept your sacrifice today. 
It's a beautiful thing. We love you so much. We honor you. We put you first, Jesus. You are the best in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Let's partake of the emblem of his blood together today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. I read on Facebook this week, um, one of our young moms posted as she was putting her kids to bed and praying. It was Heather DeWall praying with the boys. And Duke said, thank you, God, for creating the world. And thank you, Jesus, for coming to save the world. How powerful is that? Thank you, God, for creating the world. And thank you, Jesus, for coming to save the world. Jesus. And, you know, he came to save the world, and he also came to heal the world. The word says that by his stripes you are healed. Mm -hmm. And as a young mom, I stood when they called for prayer during a communion service, similar to this, and I stood with my baby boy, um, and I stood for healing because doctors weren't sure what was going on and all kinds of specialists were going to come. I was taking him to all these specialists to find out why things weren't as they should be. And I stood as a mom for that baby boy for healing. That was on a Sunday and the specialists I saw on the Thursday with him. And in those short number of days, there was a progressive daily healing that happened. Amen. And it was a just unbelievable the change that happened. That he went from not sitting up, not rolling over, all of the different steps where he should have been. And he went literally from the stage of a two-month-old to a six, seven-month-old within days. And so that's the power of God. Mm -hmm. That's Amen. the power of God. So if people are, are, you're needing healing, it may be physical, it may be financial, it may be uh, emotionally or, or mentally, whatever the need is, my God is able. Amen. Your God is able. He's more than enough to meet all of your needs. So do we want them to come forward? Let's have everybody stand. stand this morning first. Yeah. Jesus. Jesus. As Sherry said, this is a, a table of healing. Yes. If you have a physical need this morning, maybe, or even a, a, an emotional need, a mental need this morning, even a financial need, we believe it can cover all. And you need God to heal it. You need God to intervene. You need supernatural deliverance, healing this morning. We just want to invite you to come. We're going to have the eldership come forward. We're, we're here to pray for you this morning. We want to believe God for you. Don't, don't hesitate. Just come on up. We're not going to drag it out or anything else. We're just going to quickly agree with you and pray with you and believe God for a manifestation of his healing in your life. Amen. Anybody at all, don't be shy. Praise the Lord. Amen.
praise the Lord. Pastors, can you guys come and just begin to agree with people and pray with them this morning? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Just step forward here, guys. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Yeah, don't be shy. If you're in the congregation this morning, would you just stretch your hands toward these people at the front? Or if you have a need, just lift your hands up to God too, right where you are in your seat. God will meet you and your faith, the Bible says, when you reach out in faith, then the Bible says you will experience uh, healing according to your faith. So today, today, Father, we thank you for your presence here in this service. Father, we thank you that you have gathered us together, Lord, in this place. Lord, we thank you that this Thanksgiving Sunday, we have so much to be grateful for. Father, we thank you that God, not only do we have salvation, do we have grace, do we have mercy, but we have healing in our covenant with Lord Jesus today. And Father, we thank you for the healing that is being manifest right now at the altar in the lives of people that have gathered for prayer. Father, would you meet them in a special way today, Lord. Father, we thank you for your love and your kindness. Lord, we just pray, God, today that as we go, Lord, you would be honored and glorified in everything that we say and everything that we do as we give praise and glory to you on Thanksgiving weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Continue to just pray with these people at the front. Bless you for joining us online and have a great week.